Welcome to the Journey of Ruth podcast. My name is Courtney Loman, and that was my special guest host, Carter Loman. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to just thank you for your response to last week's episode. There are almost a hundred of you guys that have gone and listened to the episode just last week, and I've heard from so many of you how touching Karen's story was. Please pass the episode on to anyone that you know and you think might be able to really enjoy or be encouraged by Karen's words. I would love for you guys to go on over to www.patreon.com slash journeyofruth and join us as a patron. I'm going to be interviewing one of our future guests tomorrow, and I had the awesome opportunity to ask our patrons what questions they wanted to ask her. And so those are the types of things that we do over on Patreon. We like to get your input and really get you guys to have your own voice in the Journey of Ruth podcast. Today, I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Kim Prine. She is a friend of mine that I met at church and my partner in crime. Her and I do several ministries together at the church. And one of the things that I love about her is her passion and love for other people. She loves to do what she can to help others, even if it means sacrificing her home or her time. I also love that her story is so different from my own. And so I just wanted her to come on tell you about her story and let you see where God has taken her in her life journey. Well, I'd like to welcome Kim Prine to the podcast today. Hi, Kim. Hello, Courtney. (laughs) First, it sounds like we haven't seen each other in a long time and we just saw each other yesterday at church. Yes, for sure. (laughs) We spent a lot of time together. Kim is my um, partner in crime at church. Um, we do a discipleship ministry together, disciple her. We teach Bible study together, um, in a Bible study for moms Mm -hmm. and, um, we help with women's ministry stuff. So we see each other a lot. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And people often mistake us for each other. That's true. (laughs) About the same height. Kim's maybe a little shorter than me, but. Oh, I don't know. Don't go there. (laughs) Um, we both have dark hair. It's about the same height. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. People are like, oh, you're so, no, that's Kim. And we're both very talkative. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not to mention we do all the same ministry, so we tend to talk about the same things. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about you and your family. So, um, I just celebrated 15 years. That's right. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. With my high school sweetheart, Joel, um, and we have two boys together, Ashton, who's 13, and Caleb, who's 11. Ashton is um, an eighth grader that I am now homeschooling, um, and Caleb is sixth grade in public school. So There you go. Doing a little bit of everything. Yeah, whatever's best, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, this is kind of a new experience, this whole homeschooling thing. Yeah, yeah. This is our first year, first time. So Awesome. How's it going? You know... It was super high at first, you know, like, oh, great, great. We get to make our own schedule. We can drop out of this. We can go to Starbucks, you know. Uh Then he realized that, yeah, we get to do all that, but there's still some work. So then there was some struggle with exactly how much work he was wanting and willing to do. Mm -hmm. And then we had to, like, kind of start fresh and be like, okay, this is a commitment. It's not always going to be fun, but here we go. So since we've made that adjustment, we we haven't had 
many rough days at all. Yeah. So Wait, you mean homeschooling good. isn't just endless summer? I wish, right? <laughs> well, I think that's what he thought at first. Like, oh, we'll do that. That's fun. But then when tests started to come and he's actually getting grades and, and he didn't study like he was supposed to, we had a rough patch, but it's okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I know that it's great because you get to kind of set your own schedule, but mm-hmm. it requires a lot from him and a lot from you. Oh yeah. 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 Like I'm, I'm in the office every minute he is. And then I'm also in there on Sunday nights planning for the week and, and trying to find extra things I can sneak in there or, you know, some fun things. Right. So it's extra work, but. Now you're not just a homeschool mom and a wife. There's a lot of other things you do. Yeah. Well, the ministries at church I love to do. Um, I love to be the busy house in the neighborhood. So I love to have all my kiddos over. Um, but other than that, um, I love to travel, <laughs> right? <laughs> she says that with a giggle. <laughs> as often as possible, I like to travel. So that's that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Your house is kind of like where all the kids hang out. Mm-hmm. For sure. And we're recording at your house right now. Mm-hmm. And I said it's because your living room has four TVs. Yes, that'll do it. And four Xboxes. So if it's technical, at any given time, we can have 16 kids playing in the house because we can have four on each TV. And if it's a game that will let four kids drop into the same map or whatever, you can have craziness of 16. I mean, just having like two people playing can be a lot of noise and a lot of craziness. I can't imagine 16 no, it's, it's fine. I mean, it is, it's insane, but like we normally give Friday nights to it. We say, okay, Friday nights, just who's ever around, they can come. And the kickles are hilarious. The, <laughs> like if they're playing like a, a fighting game when they're all fighting, then, you know, then it's, or, or my favorite is when they're playing, um, just any game and they're like oh you hit me and I'm like isn't that the point of the game like and you can just hear them yelling you shot me with a spear and I'm like what's going on down here but it's all like cartoony and fun right but it's just it's hilarious that's fun yeah I know that we had a house where everyone liked to come and hang out and that was something my parents always wanted was to be the house where everybody felt comfortable Mm -hmm. and so I love that you have that house where your kids want to bring their friends yep, and where their friends feel comfortable. Yep. I love it too. And I'm more comfortable here. So it kind of works out. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So talk a little bit about, um, your story getting to where you're at now. So you're involved, heavily involved in ministry at our church, but that has not always been the case. No, no, that is not the case. Um, Actually, I just got an invitation to my 20-year high school reunion. Not to age myself, but <laughs> it's out there now. Right. Um, but upon that invitation, I just can't help but think to th- that nobody in my high school would recognize the person who I am now. Mm. Um, well, nobody who isn't a Christ follower, I would say. Mm-hmm. But um, so, yeah, so... I'm coming up in my high school reunion. In high school, I was the girl that your parents did not want you to hang out with. I was one of the ones that I would cringe if my son brought them home. Uh-huh. Um, kind of wild, um, looking for love in all the wrong places, uh, drinking, smoking, partying, you name it. I did yeah. it. Um, but, but I guess I was never super 
I wasn't, I wouldn't ever have called myself an atheist, I guess. I would just be like, yeah, I, I believe there's a God out there. And actually when we were younger, um, our parents had us pray at dinner and stuff. And, and we, we, when I was very young, we would have a conversation or two about God. So I always thought God was there. I just didn't know what it meant for me. It's like, yeah, he's there, but what does it have to do with me? What, like, there was nothing. There was no discipleship for one or, or a mentorship, anybody to teach me. Um, I did go to church if I had to stay at that friend's house on Saturday who went to church on Sunday, <laughs> which promptly stopped in junior high. Like, that would not go. have happened outside of elementary school. But so, like I said, I wasn't antagonistic against the idea. I just, I just didn't know what it meant. I had no, no way of knowing. Um, so then when Joel and I got together, we kind of started making small changes before we became to know Christ. We just, we stopped smoking. We stopped partying too much. We, um, we started wearing our seatbelts when we drove our car just because we cared about each other and we didn't want anything to happen. And then we started to talk and we were like, yeah, let's do this church thing when we have kids. That was mm-hmm. like the joke. Like, we'll, we'll look into this later. Um, and then my sister and my brother-in-law, who moved away to uh, Chicago for a few years, met somebody in Chicago who drastically changed my brother-in-law's life, introduced him, shared the gospel with him, and... Um, just reinvigorated my brother-in-law and they both came home just on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would say things like, what's your stand on God? And I would be like, um, okay, what? You know, like, and, but it was challenging. And then they would go to church. So the more and more they pushed, the more and more questions I had, you know, I'd be like, well, you want to talk about God. Let's talk about this problem I have with God. And then eventually after enough back and forth, my sister invited me to a Bible study. Um, and I did a Beth Moore Bible study, the patriarchs. Yeah. And so that's right there in Genesis. Like we started right there in Genesis. Yeah. And I'll just, I never forget. And I still get chills, like how meaningful that Bible study was. It answered so many questions just because I showed up to a Bible study, like so many questions that were mulling around. And then I started small group going to church every Sunday. And okay. So the very first study you did was a Beth Moore study. Beth Moore patriarchs right in the room with on a Tuesday morning or something. And so there was, I would, I wouldn't say an older crowd, but yeah, it was people who had been going to church forever. Did you find the Beth Moore study overwhelming or no? No, because it was answering so many questions and I like, like she does a very good balance of emotional and logical. Mm. So I was able to like get so much food from it, I guess is what you mean. Like, like that word actually means something else in a different language. Like that was just awe inspiring to me. And then stories that I struggled with, with, um, Abraham, um, going up to the mountain with a knife (laughs) right? (laughs) And, and Sarah, bye honey. You know, like those things that I really struggled with that I had heard, you know, bits and pieces of growing up thinking that's just nonsense. It really gave me like some solid things to chew on and Mm. and a different way of looking at it which was amazing to me Mm -hmm. so I I really loved it it was it was awesome and it was deep but Mm -hmm. I was apparently God said I was ready for that (laughs) so but six months after doing that and taking some small group classes with my brother and my sister um I was like I don't know I did struggle a little bit with whether or not I was quote unquote good enough to be saved I mean Mm. I mean, the people in the Bible, I mean, they messed up, but I was like a really big mess up, right? Of course, right? And a little bit of 
Um, I mean, reverse we're not going to talk about David who, like, you know, killed someone Somebody, and yeah. slept with his wife. And I didn't get to David yet. <laughs> oh, you haven't gotten to that part in the Patreon. Okay. <laughs> but, but I just, there was like a reverse ego, like, oh, do you really know how bad I've been? And then, um, so after a long time, I did, I did, um, realize that, yeah, this was for me. And by me holding out, I was withholding credit from God. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was really exciting. Yeah. Now I'm sure that that then led to some interesting life changes. Too many, everything, Too many. right? Okay. I mean, yeah. when you go from living on your own and being on your own, um, and living for yourself or maybe for the people around you kind of thing. When Christ comes into your life, there's not an area that doesn't get switched, like turned mm-hmm. around. You start living for other things. Um, I remember one Sunday after I was trying to make changes in my relationships, be getting a prayer life together or and like a study life together and do it regularly and all these changes. Um, the pastor starts talking about being financially responsible or a good steward of my money and I remember sitting in the pew going lord what else do you want from me like okay well let me do this first and then I'll get to that like I just remember every sermon was something that touched me that that I could grow and change in and um just recently I was reading a book um soul keeping by John Ortberg and he said that there was a study done about what people think of themselves and they said when they interviewed Christians, um, practicing Christians, they actually used a different part of their brain when somebody said, who are you? Because instead of thinking of yourself and all the things you are and what you enjoy and what you like, they actually tap into a different part of their brain and they start thinking of themselves as God would think of them. Mm-hmm. And when I thought of that, I was like, yes, those are the changes that really start to happen when you get mm-hmm. to know Christ. Because it's not like what's best for my money, it's what does God say I should do with my money? Yeah. And it's not leaps and bounds and huge changes all the time. So a lot of time it's the sum of many cha- like little changes, but the more and more you go, the more and more you get challenged in all the areas. So all of those changes, you're talking about how they're little changes. Were they things that people were telling you you needed to change or that you were just kind of feeling like maybe this needs to change? A little bit of both. Okay. You know, sometimes God spoke to me on my own. Mm-hmm. And like, sometimes he would tell me, you're a little bitter about that. Maybe you need to check your heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks, John Chris. <laughs> check your heart. Check my heart. And and he would, because I would be being a snot about something and realize that I was being entirely selfish and leaving out the love of others and even some forgiveness. But then there was other times when, you know, the pastor would speak about money and I'd be like, yeah, I'm only giving the bare minimum because I really want something new Mm. that I don't need, that I don't, things like that. So I think he's challenged me by the people around me, even the Bible itself when I'm doing my own reading, but just little things too. Like when you see something that is secular, you're like, oh, oh, I'm living in the world right now. You know, something that challenges you that way. So I feel like you change in all different ways and different reasons. Mm. How did it affect your parenting of your boys? Everything, right? Back to everything. Um, I wanted them to know Christ from an early age. Mm-hmm. I wanted to let them know about forgiveness right away, grace, um, being able to apologize to them when I'm wrong, 
um, and get their forgiveness right away. Um, all those things changed. Uh, and those, none of those were natural though either, which is interesting because I remember like, I've been going to church for 10 years plus years then. And I looked at my kids and I'm like, have you ever accepted God into your heart? They're like, well, I've heard it talked about at church. And I'm like, mm. yeah, they know the story. They know I'm doing all those things. But it, I was challenged in the little things like, go ahead and talk to your son what it means to be a believer and accepting Christ into your heart. Mm -hmm. um, getting us all baptized. That was something that didn't come naturally. It wasn't like, I mean, it wasn't like a baby shower. It's right. something that you had to go out and research and do and, and be motivated for. So, But I love that story because your whole family got baptized at once, right? We did. Yeah. And we did back home Yeah. in the lake where we all grew up swimming. And by my brother-in-law, who, um, him and my sister, who would have been responsible for us getting to know Christ in the first place. Yeah. So I it was that. really special. That's so cool. And what a great memory for you guys mm -hmm. to have as a family and one for your boys to have to remember that, hey, this was important in our family. And when we have our own families, we, we're going to make this an important part of that. That's true. That's, yeah. that's very true. So That's awesome. Now, you accepted Christ, but Joel wasn't quite there yet. No, he... Um... He struggled on some many different fronts. Mm -hmm. um, the idea of giving up where we had come to that point and saying that it was by a blessing or a gift was struggle with him. Um, so I don't want to call it ego, but it was just, it was more like, I've worked this hard. How am I going to give this credit to somebody else mm. or something else? Yeah. Um, and then, and then, like I said, he wasn't antagonistic about it. He just he was looking for very solid, logical information about it, I guess. Yeah. So, so he went on his own seeking process, but it took forever <laughs> in my mind. It okay. felt like it did. Right? Uh -huh. So yeah. So he didn't come around quite as quick. What was that like? Cause you're like this new Christian and you're making these changes in your life. And then you're looking at your husband who's maybe not making these same steps. <sighs> Were you impatient? How did you like deal with that anticipation? So emotionally and internally, I was very impatient. Um, I will tell you that I was on fire because here I am, this new Christian and this mom, and, and I'm doing Beth Moore studies, and I'm going to church, and I'm volunteering, and I'm doing a small group. Like It was all of me, and I was so into it, and he wasn't. So, But inside, I, I remember feeling the urge, like, I get it. I know why you need to accept Christ and believe he is who everyone says he is. So this, this is urgent in my heart. So I remember that um, I would say there was one of the most closest times I've ever been to God. And I was so humble and dependent is a good word. And I remember that I would pray my heart out every single night before bed. And sometimes it would even bring me to tears because it would be like six months and I would check in with him and I'd be like, okay, so how's it going? Where are you at? Have you done this? Have you done that? Have you talked to this? Just getting some information on his standpoint without pressuring him. And he, and he would be like, nope, not ready. Not, it's not, it's not really there yet. And then I would be like, Lord, I don't understand what's happening. He is so much better than me is what I would say in bed. I'd be like, you know, 
I couldn't even imagine a heaven without him in it, but me in it. Like you have to, you have to work in him, please work in him. And so I would cry and be just, you know, quiet, desperate tears and um, prayers. And I really did feel super close to God the whole time though, because mm. I was sharing emotions with him, not just going through motion, you know, yeah. the, the motion. So, yeah. I've talked to other women about almost this hesitation to make a decision to accept Christ because their husband is not interested in it or um, their husband is maybe sometimes even like completely against it. Mm -hmm. What would you say if you experienced someone like that? What would you suggest they do or think or whatever? So, you know, first I would just recognize the pain in it. I remember the pain in it. I remember the fear. I mean... As a young Christian, I mean, you could have told me that God has it all in his plan, but that doesn't stop the fear. I mean, yeah. there is definite fear in it. Um, I would also push the prayer thing. Be in prayer for him as often as possible. Like one easy time for me to do it was because he fell asleep in two seconds <laughs> and I would stay ruminating sometimes. So that was a good time for me to pray for him when he was right there and I could have my hand on him. Other times I would pray when I folded his laundry. <laughs> my my mind was brain dead. I could only watch Dora the Explorer so many times. So instead, when I folded the clothes, I would be praying for him and his mm. salvation and just that God would speak to him and bring him yeah. in. Um, the other thing I would say to women is don't try to convince and badger them on your own um, for many reasons. One, you will just become a pain in the butt. Two, they may become a stick in the mud just to push off of you (laughs) and and you don't want to do that. And, but third of all, what excited me about God was finding out what it meant for me. Hmm. Like knowing that he was there, but then finding out he had a son who loved me enough to die on a cross was earth shaking to me. Um, to him, he needed a more logical proof. I would say proof ways. Um, he did a lot of like the Lee Strobel's, the case ups. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of um, C.S. Lewis versus um, other things. He would listen to apologetic arguments. And his was if he was going to make a stand that would change his life radically, as he was seeing my life changed, he wasn't going to do it because somebody felt it or told him he should. He had to have all the facts. So you could see if I was driving him to meet this Jesus in a relationship and 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 love because he was loved, that wouldn't have worked for him. Right. It wasn't it wasn't his language. Um We as women are so emotional. Yes. And men don't tend to be that same way. So when we are throwing emotion as a reason mm-hmm. to them, it it doesn't compute. It doesn't hit the same nerve that it hit in us. Mm -hmm. And it's so natural for us, though. We'd be like, how come you can't feel this? And he's like, how come you can't think this? Yeah. So, yeah. So definitely don't try to push him. But be open with your friends and your church groups. People you can trust, though. Everybody in the world doesn't need to know your husband problems. But ask for their prayers as well. Yeah. Um, But then ask for God and the people that you're with to bring a man into his life that can answer his questions or just even give him some, oh, you want to know about that? Why don't you read this book? Just mm-hmm. just for some resources. Um, I think my brother Aaron was more monumental to his Joel's changes than me because they were kind of speaking the same language. Yeah. So, and, and lucky enough that Joel did have him and 
when Joel would say something that I didn't understand, I could get Aaron and be like, Aaron, Joel said this, tell me if I should say or what I should do from there. And he mm-hmm. would normally just pick up the ball and text him. Okay. And it was really, that was the best thing ever. So that makes a lot of sense. First Peter talks about the, how we as women should, is that first Peter? Give me more. first peter talks about how we as women should talk to our husbands that are unbelievers oh yeah yeah yes and be a quiet and gentle spirit for them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and that's like so not what most women do naturally Mm -hmm. right we talk it all through a lot of us are verbal processors Mm -hmm. and we want to sit down at a kitchen table talk about our feelings yeah like we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? And and that that just doesn't move him. Yeah. And and but he I mean, I wouldn't say that my prayers and my works didn't have an effect on him. It, like watching me change didn't have an effect, but I do think that he just needed a different type of food than me. Yeah, no, and I agree with that. I think your actions say a lot. Your definitely the way that you're changing says a lot, but on the opposite side, if you push too much, then you know, there's a pushback. I mean, even we as women don't like to be, you know, sold on something mm-hmm. too much. We're like, okay, it's, it, I'm done with it. Mm-hmm. So that makes a lot of sense. And I love that you allowed him that time mm-hmm. and that you continued to pray. This whole praying while you're doing laundry thing, apparently it's a thing. Yeah. Like you said it. And then Sue and her podcast talked about how she and one of her friends would pray for the kids as they were like folding their cloth diapers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's a time when, and it, the, the best thing I think about this practice is, it's normally a time that I might not be so happy. Mm. I might be a little annoyed and rushed and, and I don't want to say indignant, but they're just, just huffy why mm-hmm. I do this laundry because it's never ending. And when I changed that chore to a prayer time, it softened the blow a tiny bit. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of redeems that moment, right? Yeah, yeah. That makes a sense. The only other thing I wanted to throw on there is when we did this, my kids were very young. I mean, well, Kayla wasn't even born yet. I did try to request that he come to church with me, and I asked him to do it just as a learning thing, and but then also so that to our kids we looked united front. Because I realized there's a separate challenge if my kids see my husband sitting on the couch or sleeping in on Sundays while I'm rushing to serve and to go to church, it, my kids would want to sit by the Xbox instead. Yeah. So I um, I did request that he do that. And I know a lot of women aren't going to win that battle, but it's something to, to talk about and try. And when you come at it from a non-emotional reason, like we need to look united, um, I think he could respect that because he likes when – I line up behind him on things mm-hmm. that he wants the boys to see. So right. it worked out for me, but I can see that that would be a sticking point for, or a harder point for women who don't have husbands who were as flexible as mine. Right. Well, and the other thing that I love is that you didn't allow the fact that your husband wasn't quite there yet to keep you from growing in your faith. And it can be really, it can be really hard to continue to make these changes in your life when the person that you love the most in the world isn't also on that same train, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I would love to encourage women to keep going, keep 
exploring your relationship with Christ. Keep praying, keep seeking him, and you will see a change, whether it's in you or whether mm-hmm. it's in him. Very much so. Very much but so. you can't allow someone else's journey to affect or end your own mm-hmm. because each of us has our own journey. Yes. And that also goes back to the dependency on God. You, you have to continue to grow in your dependency and your faith in him because if not, you're dependent on another human to help you walk through this. But God says, mm-hmm. no, regardless of your circumstances or what is happening around you, stay by me, stay with me. And, and the more you can do that, even though it's not natural and fight that urge to, to walk away, to be lazy, to not, you know, give in this area, he's going to bless it. He's yeah. going to bless it. So. Did you find it hard to find a balance between talking about your religion and talking about where you hoped he would be, and then the balance between talking about that and respecting your husband? You know, because I was so around, so at the time, I surrounded myself with a lot of believers. Uh-huh. And I think that changed a lot because the, they weren't going to let me do anything ridiculous or rude um, to my husband. and Or, or they would just, you know, you, you just got to stay with us and pray. And then they would give me examples of times of waiting and, and just surrounding myself with those people gave me both an outlet for my excitement, but then they gave me hope for my disappointment. Mm -hmm. So that would, that would be something that another reason to just stick in with going to church and doing those things because you're surrounding yourself with the right kind of people. Yeah. Because I could see that could be hard of trying to encourage your husband and love your husband and not being disrespectful Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, you're not going to church and I'm taking the kids every Sunday and you're just sitting here at home. And then we read the next week how God tells us to respect our husbands mm-hmm. and um, submit to them even. Mm-hmm. And I could see that there's a really hard push and pull there between, mm-hmm. well, this is my faith and my husband's over here. And how do they connect? Mm-hmm. How do I make sure that I'm being respectful and submitting to him? but still exploring this, this faith. Yeah. And I'm sure there were hiccups, but I don't know, maybe it was just mine and Joel's relationship. I realized early on that badgering him would, I mean, just, just in the everyday stuff or trying to be creative to make him do what I want. It didn't very much work. (laughs) I like being creative in what I wanted to make him do. Yeah. Like, uh, just as a side note, one time he never would bring in the garbage cans. And I thought that was the man's job. And we're early in our marriage and we're trying to figure this out. And even his grandma who lived next door to us would be like, Joel, you need to be more responsible and do your man job of these garbage cans and bringing them in. So I was like, I'll just be creative. If he's not going to bring them in, I'm going to put them in front of the driveway. <laughs> so that when he gets home, he doesn't have a choice but to bring the garbage cans right. in. And, and I definitely didn't want his little grandma doing it. So I got creative, quote unquote, and did that. And I'm in the kitchen cooking and I'm all in a good mood, forgot what I had done. And all of a sudden I hear, bong, 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 bong. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't love that approach. <laughs> did he hit the trash can? I think he may have kicked them. <laughs> Either way, not a good plan. Find a different way. Or be humble enough to grab those garbage cans and put them away myself. So we've grown that way. (laughs) That is so funny. (laughs) 
Oh, well, one of the things that I love about you and that I love about your family is that everyone in your life does not have the same faith you do. No. And that's actually something that I think you love about your life. So what does that mean to have friends that have different faiths than you and to have them in your life on such a deep level? So... The first thing I would say is we tend to huddle together as Christians because it's safe, because we all feel the same way, and and we have a community. However, when you're around people who don't believe the same thing as you, I think it's exciting because it's, first of all, challenging. It's it's challenging, first of all, to stay stay a good example, I guess I would say. Mm -hmm. Stay behaving a good example um, because it's not always (laughs) easy. easy to do when you're hanging out with other people. But um, I like to to pray for them. It mm. gives me and my kids a chance to pray for all of our neighbors and all of our friends. Um, we pray for all their hopes and dreams. We pray for their illnesses, but we also pray that the Holy Spirit gives us an opportunity to share with them mm. and that they would be receptive and one day find a relationship with Christ, whether it's with us or without us. Do you find that you're kids have a different perspective on their relationship with their friends and their neighbors because of how you guys pray? I, I would say I do. I mean, just, just as a little example and a bragging point for my son is Mm -hmm. a lot, he was in junior high last year, seventh grade. Um, all the kids are talking about inappropriate things, all of them, girls, boys, it's, he felt like he was surrounded by it. Um, and it drove him crazy. Mm. But instead of, you know, like being grouchy about it or being hateful about it, he went around and wrote little notes that he would sneak in people's book bags and pockets as he passed them in the hall that would say, you're a great person. You have a wonderful smile. Just just little things like that. Like that is not seventh grade-esque. No, you know what I mean? The it's boy, so sweet. <laughs> I do think it's very sweet. But then on the playground, this kid would never leave football. So <laughs> it... It, he had a balance of it, but you could see him reacting to, I don't want to call it the secular life, but the popular things that the kids are doing differently. And then yeah. going about his disappointment differently too. So yeah, I would definitely say it affects all of that. So one of the things that you have here at your house is that all the neighborhood kids come here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you take like the whole neighborhood to school. Yep. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then come back and homeschool your kid. Um so when all of those kids are over, um, I'm sure you guys, they come from all types of backgrounds and that type of stuff. Why do you love having those kids at your house so well, much? First of all, they're just so full of life and innocence that it makes me happy, to mm. be honest. Mm-hmm. I am a big kid at heart. And that is very true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I like to play pranks. I yeah. like to play jokes. I like to make little you know, snippets with the kids. We just have such a good time. And um I have two little girls next door, so and I don't have girls in my home. Mm-hmm. So when the two little girls come over in the morning and I hear, Kimmy, will you do my hair from upstairs? My heart is like, yes, I'll come down and braid your hair. So I have to admit that part of this is purely selfish. <laughs> <laughs> it's purely selfish. I just, I love it. And I love that my kids can have all their stuff and all their friends all together and I can watch over them. Yeah. Um, But again, I... 
you just keep it a good example. I uh, keep it in an open, happy place, but it's not like a wishy-washy place. They know at Kim's house, the um, one of the kids will come in and say she didn't finish her breakfast and she has her breakfast in her hand. She'll come walking in the house, but the minute she locks eyes with me, she knows that we only eat didn't or we only eat food at Kim's house at the table. So, so all the kids will be in the living room watching a show and she will come and stand as far to the end of the table as she can to finish that pop tart or whatever it is because <laughs> she's not allowed to take it in. So I think it's a balance of love and rules and I yeah. think they know it and they like it and um, food on hand is always a good thing. <laughs> If you want kids in your home and you want to be able to share your life and your light with them, feed them and give them a space to ask silly questions without judgment or or make a mistake where you can correct them but not over harshly and I think it ends up working out. We always had an extra supply of snacks at our house growing mm-hmm. up. My mom had a one snack rule because mm-hmm. she, <laughs> she was finding herself buying way too many snacks. Mm-hmm. So that is important. You love having these kids in your house. How does your husband feel about it? So he is gracious. He, okay. he is super gracious and humble with it. Um, when we first moved in and the kids started coming over here all the time, we were sitting on the front room couch one time and the girls walked in and they went upstairs to the playroom. And I was like, oh, hey, girls, the boys aren't home. They're over at a friend's house. And they're like, oh, okay. And they just stayed up there and played. <laughs> So right away, as we began this journey of having all the neighborhood kids over, um, we looked at each other on the couch and I said, he said, are you okay with this? And I was like, I kind of am. And then we just made the decision if the front door is locked, that means we're doing family time or quiet time. If we leave that front door and the screen open and wide, that means let you come in, run in. If you just want to be with Kim and bake some cookies, or if you want to hang out in my toy room, that's okay. (laughs) I love it. I think that's so wonderful to have another place other than your home to go, right? Because I, I just speaking generally, right? Some kids have a safe home. Some kids maybe don't have a safe home. But even if your home is wonderful, mm-hmm. it is good to have another safe place to go. Yeah. And, and you know, that's the other beautiful thing about the neighborhood when, um, one of the parents wants to go out on a date and they're going to leave their kids home or something or or they're running a bit late. They'll just text and I'll just text them and they'll just text us, hey, we're running out or hey, I'm running late. Could you get the kids off the bus? And we all share that duty and just, hey, heads up, my older kids are going to be home alone. But just so you know, I told them to run to your house in case they had an issue. And that's go. beautiful of having yeah. a tight neighborhood like right. that. So. Yeah, you guys do have a wonderfully close neighborhood. Yes, yes. I'm sure you guys are decorating pumpkins here pretty soon. Oh, yeah, we'll be decorating. Well, you can't here in hot Arizona. You can't decorate pumpkins Not the month before like you do in <laughs> Ohio. You have to do like days before or they'll become mush. They do, yes. But, yeah, we'll get together for that. Um Normally in fall break, we go to Rocky Point together. I don't know if that's happening this year or not, but we all travel together for uh, fall break and one time in the summer. And Yeah, it's Yeah, you guys so have an amazing. awesome neighborhood. Mm-hmm. That's so for cool. Sure. Okay, so together we do the Disciple Her Ministry at our church. Mm-hmm. And I have had such a, just a call on my life to encourage people to disciple others and to seek discipleship from someone for themselves. And as we started talking about disciple her at the church, you came up and you said, I'm in all the parts. I want to be discipled. I want to disciple. 
I'm in. Yep. Right? And then as we started, I felt like God was like, hey, so remember Kim? Yeah, she needs to be doing this ministry with you. Like, you need to talk to her. You guys need to work together. And so I asked, and you said yes. Yeah. Thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> Which is beautiful because you are administrative. Yes. I am not mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form. Well, I don't know about any way, but... Uh, well... <laughs> I'm not great at administration, and sometimes you're like, Courtney, have you done the things you said you would do? Did you even put it on your calendar? <laughs> so um, you're a huge help to me in that, but the reason that you agreed to help was because you saw the importance in discipleship. Why is it so important to you? Well, absolutely, I saw it because, you know, when I first became a Christian, discipleship was the reason. That's the that's the way God decided to um, to reach my heart and and but as I moved away from home and I went to Wisconsin for a few years and then we moved here, um, the warmth of the discipleship I could see directly correlating with the warmth of my growth in my walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I remember being a young mom who just became a Christian, husband wasn't quite there yet. And, and trying to live a life and not knowing what it looked like. Because I literally didn't know what it looked like to be a faithful Christian. And my sister is great, but she had four kids at the time. So I could lean on her, but it was borrowed time, right? Yeah. So I needed something outside of that immediate relationship that I had with my sister and her husband. And, um, and I didn't find it for a long time. And then I read an article that said, pray about it. And, mm-hmm. and I had been fervently in prayer and it had been in my prayer journal literally the month that you had Donna Otto come. And then I, I remember I was looking at this book that says to find a mentor, to be a mentor. And I'm like, oh, I th- you're like, you're thinking about getting that book. And I'm like, yeah, I need to do this discipleship thing all the way. Yeah. <laughs> so when that happened, it was obviously an answer to prayer and um, so exciting. Yeah. So. so just that idea of walking alongside with someone, mm-hmm. new Christian, old Christian, mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. Mm-mm. Old Christian. I really got to stop using that word old. Seasoned? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be called either one of those. Seasoned, that makes it sound like spicy. You need a little Lowry's or uh, how about some garlic salt? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I keep getting in trouble for calling people old. Um, but guess someone who's been a Christian a long time. Or a new Christian, mm-hmm. we need that encouragement. Mm-hmm. And it's always really helpful to have that person who's consistently in your life. Mm-hmm. You said you noticed a correlation between the quality of the discipleship and your walk. Yeah, for sure. Is that in a negative way? A positive way? Oh, when, when I'm not steadily in the community... Or surrounded by the people that are further along in their walk than me. I I wouldn't call it completely petering out, but I don't feel that zest. I don't feel challenged. Um, and then you get in this rut, like you have a question on how to handle something or, or you're frustrated with something and you don't have someone to say, have you prayed about it as much as you talked about it? Like that silly little mantra is so true. And if you don't have people giving you those truths, you can give in to the emotion or the, um, just the distance so quickly. And I feel like when you're surrounded by good disciples, whether they're, like you said, 
um, people who are older in age than you or people who are your age or even younger than you just to speak truth and challenge you. It just, the fire isn't there for me. Yeah. And the reason I asked you that question is sometimes it can be easy to look at a discipler or a teacher and be so focused on kind of adjusting our life to that discipler Mm -hmm. that if God removes that discipler from our life, we don't know what to do without them in our life. How do you make sure that your relationship with Christ is not so solely focused on what your discipler is telling you to do? Well, because it's not the, the action because a lot of times your discipler might not even be talking to you when they spit wisdom out, but it's applicable applicable to you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just being around people who love God. Mm-hmm. And, and that reminds you that even in the struggling times or even in the heart, you know, the ups and the downs, that they've walked it and they've come out clean. So keep walking and you'll come out fine too. And that just helps with it, I think. Whether Rather, or not you have someone telling you what to do yeah, or telling you what to read in the Bible or exactly. what questions to answer this week, if you will seek that on a personal level, mm-hmm. you will grow. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't say that I didn't grow at all. I would just say that my warmth of it, you know, and my excitement for it would, would just be – it's just harder. And when you don't have a community – you're kind of alone and you don't have anybody to check the truth off of. I could read the Bible every day and translate it just exactly how I would want it to make me feel. And I think people still do that. Yeah. But to be able to check that truth off of somebody who knows. So I don't think it's the steps that they quote would, would really give me to do as much as hearing the truth and then being challenged by their truth. The application and the interpretation you have kind of someone else to kind of, challenge you mm-hmm. or to agree with you. Yeah. I mean, one time I was just talking and sometimes when you're around wiser women than you, I said, you know, I'm afraid of this. This is scaring me to high heaven. Um, and I think I'm going to back off and maybe pray some more. That sounds really legit. Like uh, that sounds really legit, right? Okay. Take it slow. Do more research. Um, do more prayer, right? I can, I can hide between behind fear, calling it prayer all I want. And this wise woman looked at me, um, and said, now, who do you think's whispering that in your ear, that fear? And who are you listening to when you go home to pray about that? Mm-hmm. I can unrighteously pray every single day and not be leading towards truth. If I'm listening to Satan's whispers and I would never even have known that because yeah. it sounded so clean but to a wiser woman and she didn't tell me to do anything she didn't tell me to jump head first into something mm-hmm. she asked me who was whispering the fear and that was enough to give me the chills but also be like oh yes you're being a chicken kim right <laughs> and and sometimes i need that yeah right so we need that person to kind of say you need to go now yeah like now's the time to move mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so what books have you read as you have grown in your faith um, or studies that you've done that you think women just really need to do? Okay, so I'm going to throw out a big one there. Okay. <laughs> first, and I would say my first love, Beth Moore. 
do all of her studies. <laughs> all the studies. All of her studies. So I went from patriarch to Daniel um, to Jesus and all of these other ones. She's awesome. She's a great one on the tabernacle. Too. Yeah. You know, some people say it's you'll never find a Bible study that brought somebody to Christ. You you find people who are sharing the gospel. That is very true. But Beth Moore is darn close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that Bible, her Bible studies are fun for me. But it was also my um, my first experience, um, and I just think it's well rounded. I don't want just emotions, but I don't just want facts either. And she's a perfect mix of both. I yeah. think. Um, and she prays really lovely, and she teaches you to get into that practice of humility and prayer. And I think that's a good practice. So I think she's a a wonderful person um, that I would recommend. But I think that every wife should read Love and Respect by Dr. Um, Emerson Egrich. Yeah. Um, I know this has probably been recommended by Sue because she's our marriage expert. We did talk about that, but yes, please go. Yeah. It's an amazing book. And as a wife, you have, as a Christian wife, you now have different responsibilities as far as being a wife goes. Your responsibility as a wife is not to just be loved and to be pampered and to feel good all the time. Actually, it's very much the opposite. It's to live, um, for your husband to be his helpmate, um, to remember to, to respect him in all things and all times. And it's not easy. Yeah. And it's not easy. And that book is just a fresh look into it. And I like that it comes from a man's point of view because when he says the things the women do to, to push their husband into giving them love that they, they really, really want – it's just so clarifying and, and so interesting. And, and it really brought me out of a lot of selfish practices, I would say. Mm. And it's made it easier to love him because I'm not so busy trying to fill my own love right. need. So that's an, that's an amazing book. Um, but I would definitely recommend um, for people who don't want to jump into a big Bible study or who really feel, you know, hard on time, maybe moms with young kids, I love the first five app um, by Proverbs 31 Ministries. Yeah. Um, it's five minutes. You get a verse. You get a little um, talk about it. And then you get a little thing to think about at the end. And if you're sitting there breastfeeding or, or you know, you got three minutes before the nap ends, um, jump on there. And I especially love it because I am either 100% or 0%. <laughs> and I beat myself up for that. And... The thing is, it's because if I can't be perfect, then I don't feel like it's worth doing. And I know that's mm. stuff I have to work on, but I feel like if I can't sit down for 45 minutes, do a prayer, um, read some scripture, write about that scripture, and then end in a great prayer, then I've it's already started off the day wrong, so let's just go and maybe pray before I go to bed. You don't have to be perfect. Open up the first five app and give it five. You will find clarifying information and God will meet you there. He'll meet mm-hmm. you in your five minutes on the toilet or, you know, wh- in line to pick up your kids. Yes. Whatever it is. The first five is not a cop out. It, it's there when life m- makes it necessary. Yeah. And I love the first five app. So I would offer that to anybody. Awesome. I know several ladies that use that, even if they know they're going to be doing further Bible study, they'll just look at that right before they get out of bed mm-hmm. or even just as a good thought to kind of bring their mind to the right place before they begin doing their Bible study. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of ladies that use that as a really good resource. Mm-hmm. So that's good. So we have two questions that we ask at the end 
of every episode. You're doing a dance. Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, and I actually told you ahead of time. Sometimes I forget to tell people and I'm like, oh, I forgot to tell you about these questions. So, surprise. Yeah. Whoa. (laughs) Um, So, we've talked a lot about discipleship. And you've talked about how that was actually something that really helped you at the beginning of your Christian walk. So Mm -hmm. who is it that discipled you, helped you in your walk? So I have to give props right away to my brother-in-law, Aaron, and my sister, Andrea. Um, They were the most inspiring and pivotal disciples that I've had, and they continue to be. Um, I actually called them on the way to record the podcast with you just to help them calm my nerves and speak truth to me on my way. They're still there for me, and I, I love them. Yeah, completely. Um, I also have a discipler that I meet with yeah. monthly, and she um, she gives me so much courage. And, you know, we might have a lot on a to-do list, but I found myself just recently going to her and being like, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this, and I just need you to speak truth because it's all madness. And she did. We, we put all the books aside, and we just talked and prayed together. And it is so beautiful. Um, to have her that I meet monthly with. Um, and I love that picture of discipleship, how it's like a, it's a growing living thing. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you are sitting down and you're like, yeah, we're going through this book or this Bible study. And so we get together, we talk for a few minutes and then we get into the Bible study. And then sometimes it's like, well, I just had some really hard things happen mm-hmm. and I needed to talk through some of it. And so we did that. Mm-hmm. It's not... A, there is no absolute um, equation yeah. for what meeting with a discipler looks like. Mm-hmm. It's, yes, there's a, you know prayer, and yes, there's talking about our faith, but there's also talking about our kids and our marriages mm-hmm. and our lives and the decisions that we're making and where God is taking us and our personal and our spiritual journeys. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I totally... Just love her. And then finally, my my other favorite disciples are all of you guys from church. Like, we have such a good group of women there. Mm -hmm. Um, Plugging into the church has really made our rather larger-sized church feel so small. Yeah. Because on any given Sunday, I'm going to bump into a handful of women that know and love me. And, um, you know, maybe we're not together every day, but they will certainly pray with me or just bring joy to me. And yeah. speak truth to me when I see them. So yeah, that's it's amazing. And we have a text chain with a couple of the ladies that oh. is so encouraging. I mean, we've had deaths. Mm-hmm. We we've had life altering circumstances. Um, just just so much that comes through that prayer chain, and and to know that if I want to put anything on that at any given day, that I'm gonna have five amazing women praying for me. It's yeah. so comforting. Yeah. It's so comforting. It really is. And mm-hmm. then they don't just say praying, praying. They will write down their prayers and send them to us. Mm-hmm. And then if you're the person that had the request, then you're in tears because it's so, good. It's so touching. And, mm-hmm. or even like, Hey, you know, you sent this and I have, been reading this in scripture and I just really felt like God wanted me to send this to you. Yeah. Well, and sometimes they're praying the prayers that you can't bring yourself to pray. Yeah, that's true. And that is, when it's tough, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. Our second question is based on what we talked about today. What's one thing you would suggest for our listeners? Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and beat you overhead with the prayer (laughs) 
<laughs> the prayer. No. To be honest, practicing um, getting into prayer over your friends, family, and the people you come in contact with regularly, um, because of my situation with my neighborhood and because of my situation with family members or just anybody who may or not be believers, um, I think never ceasing to pray for them is um, so important. Find the tedious things that you do in your life and, and make it a time of prayer. Um, I get to cheat because me and my son Ashton um, do Bible together in the morning. Mm -hmm. and, and we study, we discuss, and we pray. But I also have a prayer rotation where Monday through Friday, we are praying specifically for certain things, our government officials. Um, and that can be a hard one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that can be a hard one. You might not be in the mood for that long list of um, governors and senators and local um, representatives and then and then the because you didn't just you don't just pray generally for them you actually have gone made a list made the list by name mm -hmm. so you're praying for them by name yeah and you know sometimes we'll go quick you know we'll go quicker or sometimes we'll generalize some of it but we try to make it as specific as possible mm -hmm. um just because I think the Bible tells us to. And so so we pray for them. We pray for all of our neighbors. We have a day to pray just specifically for these neighbors that we find ourselves in contact with all the time. Um, we pray for our extended family. Um, and then we just have a day of gratitude and um, acknowledgement day. And that's actually my favorite day. It's not a day we get to ask for anything unless something scary comes up. Like if there's a family emergency or someone's sick, we'll go ahead and pray for that. But this is just a time to say, God, you are great. We are undeserving. You are continually providing. And we can see the provision because we are sitting there again on a Monday after another week. And, and we can just see it day after day, this truth and, and, and the provision that he's given us. And mm. even, even when there's bumps in the road, we are back and we are capable of praying to him. And it's just, it's such an amazing gift. Um, and then finally, I would tell people to get in the habit of praying for people to speak truth in their life if they don't have somebody yet. Mm -hmm. um, constantly be praying for someone to speak truth into your life, your husband's life, your kid's life, or anything like that. Because, I I mean, literally, I had thought in my head, geez, the church really it doesn't do a good job about providing discipleship. Oh, the church could really do a better job on having young women who don't have anybody to look up to and giving them something to look up to. But it wasn't until I started really praying about it. And, and I, I mean, I had gone to pastors before and asked. So it wasn't like I was silently um, hurting about it. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until I was in prayer every morning for it that that opportunity came up and that I was shown that there was opportunity and the church was working on it. So, yeah, yeah I would say keep praying. I like that. I love the idea of keeping that prayer not just with you but with your kids and your family too. I know mm -hmm. that's something that my parents did every morning mm -hmm. before school. We would get up and we'd do it as a family. And we'd read some scripture and we'd talk about it and we'd pray as a family. And it was not optional. Mm -hmm. You know, so you had to stop whatever you were doing, even if your hair was only half curled. Mm -hmm. And you went and you did prayer. And then if you had time to finish curling your hair... Afterwards, great. I was the only girl, so no one else had to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> but me. Um, but that was still the thing was like, sorry, you know what time mm -hmm. we do this every morning. So you have to adjust your schedule because nothing is more important than our prayer and devotional time as a family. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I think when you're praying for those family members in hope that they find salvation and they find um, some love for Jesus, it opens you up to those moments where God might say, now's the time to say something. Yeah. Now's the time to share that little tidbit about how he has changed you. Or um, or just even if it's not an outward expression, he's going to tell you how to love them better. Mm-hmm. He's going to have you ask those questions that find out, oh, there's a wall. Mm-hmm there's a roadblock here and and it's because you asked a question or interacted a certain way but if you're not in prayer for those things you're, you're you might miss it i wouldn't yeah. say you always would but you just might not be open to hearing the truth that you need to hear and i think you also have to be ready for god to use your kids mm. because kids are a lot more honest than we are as adults mm-hmm. right and um you know they'll reach over to that family member who doesn't believe in God and say, we need to hold hands so we can pray before dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And-, <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, we're at their house and we're at their dining room table and you, you never know, mm-hmm. right? While I might not, not say, hey, we should probably pray over dinner. Mm-hmm. Your five-year-old will say that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my kids have been amazing to watch in my own walk and, and, you know, there's sometimes where I'm like, oh, they're not going to read, want to read the Bible story again about Christmas. But you bring that book and they ask you for another chapter yeah. <laughs> in the Bible. That's awesome. And, yeah. and they give you excitement too. Yeah. And they hold you accountable, right? They do. Yes. <laughs> like my son telling me that we hadn't been to church in four weeks. He told me, mommy, we don't go to church anymore because now I go to school. <laughs> And I did not realize that because of vacations and then one weekend we were sick mm-hmm. that we hadn't been to church in four weeks. Now, I had been to church because of other ministry stuff, but a lot of that ministry stuff I do when he's in school. Mm-hmm. In his mind, he started kindergarten and we stopped going to church. Yeah. That's <laughs> so funny. Like, all right, God. Well, yes, we are planning on getting back to church. It's just been a crazy time. But in his mind, he was like, yeah, we don't go to church anymore. Yeah. I'll see you on Sunday, Lord. Basically. <laughs> okay, thank you. Well, thank you for coming again. Yeah, thank you for having me. To the podcast. This is our second time recording because the first time we had microphone issues and mm-hmm. screaming children in the background. Those were mine. (laughs) So this is our second attempt at this. So thanks for being willing to sit down. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there you go, guys. Prayer. It's something you can do anywhere at any time. And it is a big deal. It has a lot of power. And you can trust that God is listening no matter what. I love the idea of redeeming something in our daily lives, something that's kind of a boring task and we're going to make it worth something. So I am going to redeem dishes this week. I'm going to pray for my husband and my boys every time that I wash our dishes. So what are you going to redeem this week? In fact, uh, if you have something that you decide to redeem, I would love for you guys to go to Instagram or to our Facebook page and tell me what it is that you're redeeming. Because it's been interesting for me to see how dishes or laundry can actually turn into a time to talk to God. So what are you going to redeem? What are you going to use as your time to pray for your family and your friends when normally that task maybe wouldn't be so much fun? 
please go over to iTunes.com and rate and review the podcast if you can. That really does help other people find us and helps people know what they're getting into when they listen to our episodes. Also, join us on Instagram and Facebook at Journey of Ruth or our website, www.journeyofruthpodcast.com. Over on Instagram and Facebook, if you can follow our page, that way you can get the up-to-date information when episodes drop and whenever we have information about our guests. I hope you guys have a great week and I'll see you next Monday on the Journey of Ruth podcast. Thank you.